Well, we are in our final week of fishing, Paul Bunyan Country, wrapping up our 30th year. Doesn't mean we're done talking outdoors. It just means we're done talking fishing every single weekday. We'll go to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors beginning next Thursday. That'll be a weekly show. We'll talk fishing every week, but we will also have other outdoor topics we'll cover as well. But in this final week of fishing Paul Bunyan Country, we are taking a look at the fall fishing scene. And, of course, coming up tomorrow, our final lake of the week, and also part one of our two-part season ender with Henry Drews, the regional fisheries manager out of the Bemidji office, his annual end-of-the-year state of the fishery. Today, a fall fishing preview with one of Paul Bunyan Country's best anglers. Steve Matson of Matson Angling Promotions is up next. Shorty, I won't ever understand my shorties be mad When all I want to do is stick my toes in the sand There's nothing wrong with champagne, dancing and such But the nightlife in the city don't impress me much some trout the fishes all tremble at the thought of me when i'm f-i-s-h-double-i-n for bunion country this is fishing paul bunion country presented by northland fishing tackle checking in with steve matson as we get ready for fall fishing from matson angling promotions steve thanks for taking the time today we appreciate it absolutely my uh, my pleasure Enjoy uh, talking with you, Kevin, and sharing, I guess, what I know about uh, fishing and fishing in general and fishing definitely in the fall. Well, before we dive into the fall, let's uh, let's give you a chance to, to look back maybe at the last month or so, August into early September. What have you seen on the waters? So in the, the summertime, I think uh, it, it gets a little bit more difficult to uh, to find fish in the, in the heat of the summer, and I think a lot of anglers kind of lose interest because, Walleye seems like they're a little fickle, and sometimes the bass move deeper, and it makes it harder for some of the guys to uh, to find them. And, and even the panfish do the same thing. But as soon as it seems like Labor Day or as soon as the, the weather starts to change, it, it's, it's really awesome as, as an angler because the fish uh, really start to, to bite a lot more. And there's less anglers out there, so it's definitely a win-win for people who stick after our uh, Finned friends and and uh, want to go out there and try and catch some fish. It is the great irony. We hear so much about it. I mean, in the uh, 30 years I've been doing this show, I mean, every year we talk about fall fishing is the best bite, and yet fewer anglers. But there are some options and things that are going on. School gets started. Uh, in most years, there's Friday football and uh, kids playing sports. And, of course, hunting, too. So people have to make choices, and, and like you say, that lends to a wider, more open uh, body of water for the guys who do tough it out in the fall. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, but where we live, we're blessed where we live. We have awesome uh, outdoor opportunities for whatever your uh, hunting uh, fancy is, whether it's you know grouse hunting or um, bow hunting, <clears throat> whatever it is. We have tons of those opportunities, and there's just so many things that <clears throat> pull at uh an outdoorsman's heart this time of year but like i said uh it's for for an angler though it it really is does become a special time um really it's a really good time to catch some of the biggest fish that you'll catch in in a, in a year 
as uh, the fish, you know, put on the quote-unquote feed bag um, as they prepare for winter as well. But it, it's a chance that the fish are biting, and they're usually a little bit heavier, like I said, as they uh, get ready for winter. And it's an embarrassment of riches. You've got bluegills biting. You've got crappies biting. Bass are biting. Walleye are biting. Muskies are biting. Everything's biting in the fall, too. Absolutely. It's <clears throat> nobody or uh, none of the fish uh, shy away from it. They all they all know what's coming, and whatever it is that that triggers it inside of their their head, or you know, you know how nature somehow just has its own clockwork and. So it, it is. It's, it's all species are pretty much go, and, and the feed bag is on. So if a guy likes panfish, all you need to do is find them, and they're going to be willing to bite. And <clears throat> same goes with all the other fish. It's uh, Sometimes the lake uh, shrinks down, and they always say that, you know, the adage is that 90% of the fish are in 10% of the lake, and that remains true, I guess, in in, in the fall as well, but when you sure find them, uh, you, you really do find them because they definitely will, will cooperate. And you've been fishing a lot of years. And do you Have you noticed a trend over the years? Is there a certain, some guys say there's a certain, you know, water temp, but the surface temp hits this, they know it's time. Do you, do you subscribe to that? Yeah, I, I think that uh, there's, there's a lot of those things that uh, come into play that, I mean, through experience, you, you definitely notice those things. You know, as a, as a tournament angler, you're always setting yourself up to adapt. It's like you can have the great pre-fishing, greatest pre-fishing you've ever had, but then you'll come into an event and, and the weather changes or something changes and you need to adapt. And as long as you have that mindset, um, you're, you're constantly looking for the signs. And uh, one thing you, you don't want to do, though, is, is turn your nose up to what they want. And I think we kind of talked about this last time, Kev, where, you know, we, we kind of get stuck in, in, uh, in using a presentation that we feel like it's going to work, and, and sometimes that's what ends up getting us zeros or no bites or whatever. And some if you go back to just using what the fish will hit, <laughs> sounds simple, but it's it's kind of the mind games that an angler plays. But don't, don't overcomplicate it, but try things that... Uh, you know, typically work this this time of year, but don't don't get stuck in a rut. Don't don't use things uh, prematurely. You know, I I guess this time of year is a great time to use uh, puppet minnows and rapala jig and wraps. You know, the old ice fishing lure, and you know, a guy could get started on it too soon and and get discouraged because maybe they're still uh, you know hitting a crawler harness or something like that. I mean, there is a time that, you, that all of a sudden, whatever it is, the water temperature changes or something changes. Last night I was on the water, the water temp, surface temp dropped to 65 degrees out in the main lake. So it's, it's definitely in the air that fall is changing. And, and as uh, these, these uh, things happen out there, you, you need to adjust your presentations. And I don't know if I, you know, to answer your question, specifically look for a target temperature but when it gets close to that you had better be uh willing to try the things that typically work uh you know in the, in the cooler part of the fall because um otherwise you might miss the bite so it's always keeping on your toes and paying attention to those things and watching you know the forecast and watching the water temperature and and you know keeping your eye on the electronics your electronics aren't going to lie you got to watch where the bait are and you know, if you move in shallow and you see that there's a bunch of minnows that are in the weeds, I mean, it's, you kind of got to 
experience just tells you to don't don't just look at one thing. You got to look at the, the big picture. So temperature comes into play, weather comes into play, forage comes into play. They all come into play, and uh, it's just one of those things with experience that it makes it a little bit easier to uh, to make the right decisions on any given day. I understand when it comes to fishing, there's no such thing as typical, but I'm going to ask a question anyway. Typically, um, what are the walleyes, the the bass, the panfish, what are they doing in the fall? Um, give us an idea what they're thinking about, how they're behaving, so we know where to start. Okay, well, we'll start off just with panfish. Um, typically in, in you know the late part of summer, They've kind of transitioned off to the deeper weed edges. Anything where there is cover, because they're, uh, you know, they're they're on predatory fish's menu. So you know, big pike and big bass and big walleye or muskie. You know, they're they're going to be foraged for them if they, you know, get out and um, get in a place where they can get ambushed. So typically, panfish are always going to be around cover. So any type of good weed beds, you know, cabbage beds or coontail beds or some place where they have some type of protection um, they typically are going to slide into deeper water you're not looking to catch them in you know two three feet you're going to be targeting 10 to 18 feet of water panfish are typically always biting too so once you locate a school and they're typically going to school up in the later part of summer they're going to they're going to be schooled so you you can fish a whole bunch of areas and You'll find nothing, and then all of a sudden it's like you find the mother load. And most lakes are going to have, you know, multiple schools all over the place. But you'll notice that they're typically close to a, a drop-off and a nice clean weed edge. Steve Batson, my guest today, getting you ready for fall fishing. We're talking about pan fishing at the moment. Many more topics to cover, so stay with us. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Back to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Final week of the show before we get into Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors starting next week. We are talking fall fishing with Steve Batson of Batson Angling Promotions. At the moment, the topic is panfish. And then as you roll into fall, they, they kind of will move up and down a little bit more. But eventually, you know, come wintertime, they're going to settle in, in in that same deeper mode. And, and they'll be obviously a little bit more inactive. So if you target the target the edges... Typically what we're using is, uh, you know, little tiny hair jigs, you know, like a firefly jig or an impulse rig smelt or even tiny, tiny puppet minnows, the smallest one they make. If, if you get it down in front of them uh, in those depths, uh, you're, you're going to catch fish. Moving on to bass, same thing. The bass are going to be near where the forage are, and they're, they're, they've kind of slid into a little bit deeper water. In the fall, sometimes you'll get a, you know, frog bite up in the, in the slop and in the shallows, but... A lot of the majority of the fish are still going to be off on these edges. Wherever the weeds are, find good weeds, good green weeds. You're going to find bass near there. And um, you know, if you use your your jigs, uh, we talked about before, jungle jigs, either a swimming type presentation or you know, flipping them and slowing down and kind of dissecting cover by slowly moving it through the weed beds uh, is a great thing too. And so bass, you're probably going to target. You know, you can do shallow, but all the way down to 15, 16 feet, depending on what, what lake you're in. And, you know, like on Pacagama, you'll find them off the deep deep weed edges now from here on out. So um, walleye, switching over to walleye, again, uh, water temps are 65. Uh, I think we got a 
frost warnings going on tonight. So fall is definitely here and kind of slapping us in the face. But, uh, you know, everybody wants to know what's happened with the walleyes. And uh, this is honestly one of my favorite times of the year is to target walleyes. They show up on your electronics, so you you can look at structure, the deep structure, deep deep points, deep humps, um, and kind of sharpshoot them. And really, they're they've got their their fall mode going on, so they're thinking, you know, I gotta I gotta eat, and and they're willing to eat, and that's when these uh, you know puppet minnows or rapala jig and wraps, uh, jig and wrap use a size nine puppet minnow, use like the one ounce, the big ones, and. Anywhere from 28 to, you know, 36 feet of water, you look for fish in that area, generally speaking, and drop in on them, and you'd be surprised. Like, they, uh, they're they really going to smack it. And it's kind of a unique thing, and it takes, takes a, a little bit of patience and practice to get the technique figured out. But really what the, what the fish do is they like to pin it to the, to the bottom. So you don't necessarily, you know, feel a hit. You kind of jig it up and down off bottom. And, and then you'll pick up the bait to jig it again, and you'll feel the weight on. And you kind of, like I said, there's a technique there, but once you figure it out, you can load the boat in a hurry when these, uh, you know, fish fish want to feed up for the fall. So that's kind of, I guess, the, the the main three, I guess, that I'm wanting to talk about, pan, the panfish, the bass, and walleyes. And, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, targeting them all here in the next few weeks. You mentioned the puppet minnow earlier. That is a lure that was designed for ice fishing, but I've heard it at least as often in soft water fishing than I have for ice fishing. That thing has really gained in popularity the last couple of years. Yeah, the technique, um, you know, was, was kind of out there, and I don't. It's it's been a few years now, but you know, it's it is really amazing how well it has worked, and uh, you, you wouldn't think it would in this world of um you know super clear soft plastic baits and all this realistic stuff that seems to be uh out there is you know for for anglers to use and and then all of a sudden you have this you know lure that's been around for ages that's uh you know a big hunk of lead and you know it just doesn't look that flashy it looks kind of really really has an old school lure, but I, I tell you what, you put it down in front of the fish, and it's it's amazing what what it does. It's amazing how successful you can be with that, uh, you know, old oldie but goodie lure. And you know that companies have have done a good job. Don't get me wrong of, of coming up with some you know really sharp looking color patterns and stuff like that. But just as a whole, it's you know not that uh, attractive of a lure, but it 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 just basically does the job. It it gets, allows you to get something that is a minnow profile in front of the fish in a hurry and get them to do some type of reaction strike. Um, and even in the fall, I mean, I, some of them I don't think they're necessarily reaction strikes, as, as people like to call, where they're kind of forcing the fish to make a decision. It's more of a, a food, and, and, and they're just bulking up for the fall, and they're just they're eating it. Because, um, like I said, you can show up on a school and you can do uh, – a world of, of hurt in, in a quick amount of time. And the good thing about it is, you know, when you see the fish on the electronics and you are targeting, you know, 28 to, say, 36 feet of water, this thing gets down there. I mean, when you're using a one-ounce size puppet minnow, it gets down there, like, right now. I mean, you're down where the fish are, right in the strike zone. Um, and that's, that's the beauty of it. You don't have to wait, you know, 10 seconds for it to get down there and 
and a him and haw. No, you put this thing down right where the fish are, and it's getting right down right in their face. And then, you know, you do your jigging motion, and they see it as a as a food opportunity flashed in front of their eyes, and and they they jump all over it. I mean, absolutely, it's uh, it's an unreal. It, I mean, guys can still do good soaking big minnows and doing that sort of thing. Uh, you know, kind of sharp shooting on top of the, the walleyes, but I seldom will buy live bait in the fall just because of the sheer success that I've had using these puppet minnows and dropping, you know, right on top of them. Steve, this isn't specifically fall-oriented, but another uh, lure that I've been hearing a lot more about, and the bait's been around a long time, but now that it's uh, owned by Northland, it's getting an introduction or more or a reintroduction maybe up here in the North Country, and that's Bagley baits. Have you had a chance to use those yet? I haven't had a chance to, to use much of the Bagley baits. Uh, my good buddy Travis Peterson has been using them quite a while now, and he's, I know that he's been impressed with uh, just the quality and uh, the patterns and everything about it. It definitely seems like it's a very high-quality balsa bait that uh, is, is hopefully going to be a winner here for years to come, uh, especially now that uh, Northland's involved. Um, their attention to detail and willingness to, you know, create a good product that us average anglers can uh, purchase and use and put to good use. Um, like I said, I, I think only good things to come here for Bagley Baits. I, uh, I was telling somebody, I, I find, kind of feel guilty using them. They're so beautiful. I feel like they should be on my wall somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and some of them uh, out there, you know, a guy, guy pays a pretty penny that uh, sometimes you get nervous especially with all the, the pike that we have in the north country it's uh, one little tick and oh <laughs> there it goes <laughs> do you do any uh, musky fishing musky is is something that uh i i really haven't done i've only caught maybe a, a dozen musky in my lifetime and i've obviously had follows and things like that but i i it's one thing that i haven't spent a whole lot of time pursuing i, I do have a musky pole and i do have some musky baits but um, it just seems like, uh, you know, the bass and the walleyes and even the panfish just pull a little bit harder on my heartstrings. <laughs> so it's hard, hard to find the time to do everything. So I try to do the few things that I do do as good as I can. There's only so many hours in a day, only so many days in a week, etc., etc., etc. Yes, sir. All fishing the topic. Steve Batson, the guest. This is Fishing Paul Bunyan Country presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. This will also be the time, and year in, year out, it is the time for the muskie angler. The biggest muskies, by far, are going to be caught uh, in this fall period. Yeah, there's there, there's no question about it. it. It's just like all the other fish. They, they start to eat, and I guess the, the latest thing that I can share, I guess, with the uh, technology side of things is, you know, a lot of these side imaging and uh, Garmin has this panoptics thing where you can kind of have a live scope and a live view of what's in front of you and i've seen some really neat things over youtube and i got some friends that uh have, have bought into the technology and they say it's it's pretty impressive for a muskie i mean it it's hard to see you know a little you can see schools of panfish and whatnot but it's hard to see really what's happening but when you're talking about a 48 inch fish or 50 inch, inch fish it's really easy to show up on, on some of these electronics. And I know some of these guys are actually doing that, uh, you know, when the fish are out off structure and whatnot, the, the scanning electronics, they actually can see the fish and they can target, uh, 
you know, specifically cast specifically towards where these fish are. And I know that they're having some uh, really good success with that, obviously, being able to known as the fish of 10,000 casts. Well, if you know exactly where the fish is, then it's probably going to lessen those to, who knows, maybe 100 casts if you can cast right at uh, fish specifically. Now, you, you typically probably do not get questions about fashion sense, but uh, when it comes to fall fishing, you want to stay warm. Um, what kind of gear do you use? What kind of uh, clothing do you, uh, do you use that keeps you warm in these very cold, potentially very cold days? A really good point. Um, I used to fish uh, every tournament, uh, small mall tournament on Rainy Lake, and I remember some of the times, you know, it was it was definitely fall, so you didn't know when, when the wind was going to switch and the weather was going to turn from, you know, 65 degrees to 35 degrees, and there were some guys that were out there with shorts and flip-flops, <laughs> and the wind did change, and, you know, it's just, you. if you can't be comfortable out there, you're done. You might mm-hmm. as well just pack up and, and go back, because it's Without that, you're just you're not having fun. And even if the fish are biting like crazy, you're going to get cold and it's going to be miserable. So um, you, you definitely want to layer. I mean, everybody hears that, but layer as as it gets colder. You know, you want to wear your base layers of long johns, and you want you want you want some type of wool or poly. Cotton tends to absorb moisture, and so cotton next to the skin is is going to make you be cold quicker. Uh, even when you can move around, so some type of poly base and and wear layers uh, and don't be afraid to wear stocking hats and and gloves. It's it's hard. I mean, I I'm the same way. I, I don't like to wear gloves because you lose the feel on on the rods. Uh, so it all depends on what you're doing. If you're trolling or doing something like that, that's fine. You really don't need to feel the bites. But uh, usually, I'll, if 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 it gets cold and I'm all bundled up and my core is warm. Um, you know, I'll use those little portable, not not portable, but the disposable uh, hand warmers. You throw those in some pockets or throw those inside your uh, Northland hoodie. You know, put one in the front pocket there, and it tends to help keep your core warm. If you keep your core warm, you have a better chance of keeping your hands warm and your uh, your extremities. So I, uh, I'm really big. Big believer on the on those hand warmers and 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 wearing layers and and obviously uh, some type of uh, rain gear. I usually have some type of windbreaker, some type of rain gear on the top, just so you don't get wet. Because that's another thing is you get wet in the fall and you're pretty much done. So make sure you keep the water off and layer up and. Usually you're set to have a fun day. And uh, after that, it's uh, it's hard water season. Do you do a lot of hot ice fishing? Yeah. I, that's one of the things that uh, I've, I've done more and more over the years and actively pursue uh, whatever I can uh, from lake trout to, to panfish. And you live up north, winters are long here, let's face it. So you, you got to do something to pass the time. And so I kind of got myself set up with uh, being able to be portable and pull behind a you know fish house behind a snowmobile and be able to get out there and explore and with map chips of uh, you know, your electronics, you can get to all the, your favorite humps and points and find everything. And the electronics, I mean, they've, they've made it so much more convenient and easy. And with the ice augers, you know, lithium batteries, and you don't have to lug around gas. And so uh, there's so many more conveniences nowadays to make uh, make the experience so much better that it's it's hard not to uh, to be active in it. And my son loves to ice fish, and so it's uh, good good quality father-son time. And, yeah, like I said, long winter, so you got to do something. <laughs> well, we will definitely uh, check back in with you and talk ice fishing uh, later on. 
but before we wrap it up, uh, let's kind of recap the year. Uh, take a think about um, the fishing you did this year. Would you consider it a good year on the various lakes? Bad year? Average? How was it out there? That's a really good question, Kev. It definitely is a weird year. I mean, everybody's many people are saying, anyways, that we should take a reset on on 2020 just to move to the COVID and all the other crazy things that that have happened. But I think that uh, the general consensus is uh, a lot of a lot more people were spending time with uh, as a family and spending time outdoors and doing fishing and. Uh, I personally thought the fishing was uh, at, at least average, if not better. Uh, even though there was, seemed like there was a little bit more pressure out there, um, it definitely didn't seem like it was it was poor. Travis uh, Peterson and I had some fantastic days uh, fishing smallmouth bass, and so the bass fishing was fantastic. And uh, walleyes, like I said, I, I, I've heard nothing but good things. People were doing the trolling bite in the full moon, and that was picking up. And starting to, we're on the front edge of this puppet minnow thing. I'm very optimistic about that. And panfish seem to be, you know, as good. Uh, at least on, on our waters, if not better than, you know, two, three, four years ago. So I, 2020, as far as the fishing goes, I think it's been, uh, it's been a thumbs up more than a thumbs down, that's for sure. Any particular lakes that stood out for you this year? Well, you know, we we're, live close to Pacagama, so we've we spent a lot of time on Pacagama, and it does seem to get a lot of pressure. It is the local lake, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are doing the pleasure boating and the uh, the wakeboarding and all that stuff but uh there's it gets a fair amount of fishing pressure but there's still you know enough room out there enough fish out there enough forage out there that it still continues to be a you know a good lake but uh you know there's there's a lot of lakes a lot of gems in in this neck of the woods so between deer lake and bass lake and trout lake and uh, split hand lake i mean there's they're all really good fisheries and they all kick out fish and uh they're fun to fish and they're you know like i said in our backyard so how often do you get over to winnie i i don't get over there as much as i i used to um just because i really don't have to <laughs> uh, i know i've done a lot more guide trips just local and that's you know saves on the pocketbook and gives the the people a longer time to fish rather than spending time driving but winnie you know kind of took a little hit a little while ago and i think it's it's up and down, and with the zebra mussels there, it's kind of made it uh, the fishing a little bit different than what people are used to. So it's, it's kind of changed a little bit, but uh, I don't think that it's you know fallen off the map completely. But uh, it has changed a few things up, and it's just to me, it's it's another place to go, but it's not a place that I have to go to go catch fish. Anything else you want to say before we wrap her up today? Uh, no, I just thanks for the opportunity to uh, be on your show again, Kev. Always appreciate it, and definitely willing to help out whenever I can. Steve Matson of Matson Angling Promotions joining us. You mentioned guiding. Uh, do you have some openings in the fall, or are you pretty much done for the year? I, I definitely stay fishing as long as I can, and uh, it gets a little bit tighter to uh, to squeeze people in. Uh, just uh, keeping the family happy, and uh, <laughs> you know, making sure I get everything that I need to get done before winter comes. So. But, uh, yeah, you can check in with me at uh, steve at mattsonangling.com or go to my website at mattsonangling.com and, and get a hold of me, and we'll see if we've got any openings if you're interested in getting out and catching some fish before winter. Great to hear from him again. And as, as I noted earlier, we will definitely check in with him once uh, we're doing some hard water fishing as well. Steve Matson, thanks a lot today, and have a great fall. Thank you. You as well. That's it for today. Coming up tomorrow, our final lake of the week for the year and part one of our two-part season ender with the Northwest Regional Fisheries Supervisor, Henry Drews, his annual State of the Fishery. Fish
Auburn, yeah. Country, country.